Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Good morning, Monday morning, July 17th. We are so excited to be having, uh, digging in together right to God's word. Before we begin, a couple quick announcements. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet from uh, yesterday, definitely go ahead and check out Pastor Brian's message as we continue our road trip, summer road trip series through the book of Philippians. Uh, last Yesterday's message, what's your true purpose? Whew, you need to know your purpose, right? I need to know my purpose. And even if you think you know it, do you really know it? You can never know it enough, right? So go ahead, dig into yesterday's message, catch the YouTube recording, um, catch the podcast, whatever you need to do, make it happen. All right. You do not want to miss it. Uh, tonight, Monday and every Monday is also Fusion Youth. So if you have anyone in your life between the ages of sixth grade and 12th grade, send them over to EHT, send them over to Cumberland County, uh, get in touch with uh, Pastor Harry and Maya and their incredible team over there. And these youth have so much fun. Um, you definitely want to make sure that you're getting your youth in your life filled and blessed and having community for them as well, right? We as adults have, you know, talk about Christian community and fellowship, but the youth also need it too, right? So get your youth connected. Um, you have an amazing time every single week. I'm so jealous. So uh, make sure you're getting Harry, uh, Pastor Harry and Maya's uh, contact info and reaching out to them if you know someone. Uh, and finally, we're going, uh, two things finally too, uh, go guides. Outreach team is going out this week. We have two outreaches going on in Cumberland County, our Cumberland County peanut butter and jelly ministry on Tuesday night, as well as their impact harvest team on Thursday night. Both ways to get out and love on some people. Incredible ministries, so make sure you're checking them out. Get your hands and hearts involved in serving and going to all the nations, right? As part of our vision here, reaching and going in our communities. Um, and finally, this coming Sunday, July 23rd, is Baptism Sunday. Let's go. So if you or someone else in your life wants to take a next step of faith, next step to grow in your walk with Jesus, baptisms are an incredible way to do it. Um, it's an incredible morning of just celebration and seeing what God's done in people's lives. So if that's in your heart, God's putting that in your spirit to really take the next step, be obedient. We'll see what happens if we don't be obedient going on, but um, be obedient, check it out, talk to uh, Nick or um, Pastor Jason or what, anyone else on staff really, and get connected through baptisms. All right. So here we go. We'll go ahead and pray in and we'll uh, kick it off. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for another day, another morning we get to come together as one body in Christ, one body, Lord, as your church. I pray now, Lord, for open hearts, open minds, um, undistracted eyes and ears, Lord. Let's keep your word as the focus of these next uh, 30 minutes together, God. Um, I pray for myself. You would I would decrease and you would increase, Father. Let your Holy Spirit speak through me. Pour anything of myself that, that's not going to serve you or your purpose or your truth this morning, God. And let be your voice, your um, your purpose, your your plans, and just minister to the hearts of your people this morning, God, as you know they need you most. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So here we go, fam. Uh, tonight or this morning, we're in the book of Judges 11. So uh, a little context, right? 
last time on the Book of Judges, dun, 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 um, Judges 10 from Friday, uh, we ended with verse 18, where it says, the leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be head over all who live in Gilead. All right, cliffhanger, right, from Friday. So get your water here, take a quick sip of water, a quick stretch, whatever you need to do. Let's jump in to Judges 11. Um, so I'm reading out of the New International Version, the NIV, and there's no title to this chapter. Um, but if you're going to say the NLT, this book is this chapter is actually titled Jephthah Becomes Israel's Judge. Spoiler alert. Okay. Um, or if you're maybe an amplified version, another version I read a lot, uh, Jephthah, the ninth judge. A little more context, right? Getting some more um more historical context into that. So here we go. Judges 11, verse 1. Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you'll be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. He will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with a question. What do you have against me that you, attack, that you have attacked my country? The king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the, from the Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. Jephthah sent back messengers to the Ammonite king, saying, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came up out of Egypt, Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab, and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Next, they traveled through the wilderness, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of Arnon. They did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sion king of Ammonites, of Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your country to our own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. He mustered all his troops and encamped at Jahaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and his whole army into Israel's hands, and they defeated them. Israel took over all of the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. 
Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what the God, what your God, Kamosh, gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, Auror, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give me the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then Jephthah went over to fight with the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Arar, the vicinities of Minith, as far as Abel Kermin. Thus Israel subdued Ammon. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tim timbrels? She was an only child. Except for, her, except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter, you have brought me down, and I am devastated. I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Verse 36. My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of all your enemies, the Ammonites, but grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends, because I will never marry. You may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept, because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed, and she was a virgin. From this comes the Israelite tradition that each year the women of Israel Go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gileanite. The word of the Lord. All right. So a lot to dig into. So let's start. So back to the beginning, verse one, right? We're getting introduced to Jephthah the Gileanite. And the first thing we learn about him is that he is a mighty warrior. Talks about his, um, his father, as Gilead, the leader um, at the time of the, the clan, the family. But his mother was a prostitute. So we see that already seeing some, some uh, dichotomy here, right? Of what he's a mighty warrior. His father was important. His father had, you know, purpose and uh, leadership skills. But his mother, wrong side of the tracks, right? So here's, here's this, this man, this, this gifted, strong individual. But his background and the label that's given to him by others, by society, by his brothers, is is not savory right those around him even his own family those around him are making him question and doubt who he is and doubt his place right to the point where they actually drive him out saying you're not going to get any of our inheritance because they have there's jealousy right because the, the brothers they see what Gilead is capable or what um jephthah is capable of right they see he's a mighty warrior we don't see any adjectives to describe the brothers right we don't see, it's not like, oh, it's, you know, 
his brother, Bob, the great farmer, or, oh, his brother, you know, John, the great uh, blacksmith. No, these brothers, for all we know, we're just regular guys, right? Every family, you know, has that one kid that stands out. At least in my family, how it is, you know, the, between the siblings, the one family member, one, uh, one sibling that stands out. And that was Gilead in this family, right? As the mighty warrior. And that causes jealousy, causes envy. And we see what happens when envy and jealousy um, are motives, right? It drives people away. It drives families away. It breaks families up. So we see what happens. In Jephthah's case, he fled, right? He's like, I can't do this. I can't handle, you know, um, what my family is saying to me, what others are saying to me. So he just, he's like, I'm done. I'm gone. Bye, you know? And so it says how he fled to the land of Tob. And what happens when, in the land of Tob? We find out not many details, except that a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and started to follow him, right? So the reality is Jephthah, besides being a natural warrior, he's also a natural leader, right? So what happens when you're a natural leader? People gather around you. But in Jephthah's case, because he was surrounded by the wrong motives, he was in that land for the wrong reasons, out of fear and rejection um, and anxiety, you know, those feelings, the wrong motives, led to the wrong people being around him, right? Because those scoundrels, those people he was surrounding himself with, were also people who had fear and oppression and injustice and bullying, right, in their lives. And that's why we see, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with is so, so important, right? So my question today, one of our first questions is, what are you fleeing from today out of fear, anxiety, or feelings of being misplaced or left out? Because what you're fleeing from, what you're, what you're walking into new territory with, right, is what you're going to surround yourself with in, this, in that season, right? People, you're, the way you're, you're moving into a season, moving into a place, that, that um, those feelings you have around you, right, those motives, those, those are the kind of people you're going to attract, right? So in this place of rejection, maybe you're feeling in today, who are you gathering around you? Who's following you? Whether you're in a good place or a bad place, right? Take a second look around you yourself and see who are you gathering around you? Who's following you? Are they building you up or are they holding you back? These, these scoundrels, we don't really hear, but these scoundrels, does it say, it doesn't say what they're putting into his head, right? Are the scoundrels saying, oh no, go back to your family, find reconciliation, find humility, find, you know, that, that family honoring uh, tradition, or are they feeding lies into his head of, you're right, they were awful, you're right, you should attack them, you're right, you don't need them anymore. And we're seeing, you know, what happens when, when, um, People walk in poor motives. People walk with, with brokenness in their lives. It leads to more brokenness, right? So today, maybe if that's you today, take some time to really come to God, say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. These are the people around me. This is what I'm feeling. It's fear, anxiety, you know, injustice, oppression. Give it to the Lord and see how he wants to handle it because we see how he handles it, right? The next coming uh, verses, right? Uh, talks about then, in verse four, right? The elders of Gilead, they're the ones who now go and search out for Jephthah, right? Because they, they know his story. They know his background. They know his family's been saying about him while he was away, but they also know he's a mighty warrior. And those kind of, that reputation, right, goes with him. And because of that, like, hey, we don't care your background. We need you, right? And so the elders um, reply, you know, he's like, do you really want me though? 
If I take you, if suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites in verse nine, and the Lord gives them to me, will I really be your head? Because there, there's this trust, right? He's coming into, you know, he's coming out of the season of being hurt and rejected. And so there's naturally there's going to be some kind of level of, are you trying to pull my leg? Are you trying to just use me, take advantage of me, you know, use me for my, my giftings and then leave me again, right? We've all had this experiences of someone using us for our gifting, right? It hurts. It creates a, a, a very justified level of, of suspicion, right? So you can't blame, blame him for that. So the elders reply, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So he's like, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's do this then. Let's go. And he made sure, uh, in verse 11, it says, he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So the first thing Jephthah did, he didn't rely just on man. He relied on God, right? He said, hey, this, this is what the elders are telling me. This is what man is telling me. I'm going to go to God about this and make sure it's what he wants, make sure it's before the Lord. He is my witness. He is my ruler. He is my, my accountability part, right? Not only man. And the lesson here, what man rejects, what society scowls at, what friends and family may cast away, God can and will lift up and restore. It's a common theme in the Bible, right? We see, you know, hero after hero and biblical leader after biblical leader, right? Men and women. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, Psalm 118, right? We see in Joseph, in Moses, in David, later on in Jesus, right? That's what that verse is really about Jesus. But see, throughout the Bible, God has a theme of taking the unlikely savior for the Israelite people, right? And so cool seeing how, you know, we see from generation to generation to generation, God's word, it continues, right? The, the stone the builders rejected, that's not becoming, that's not, that's not stopped, right? Because God's continuing to build. He's always building something in your life, always building your church, building a, his family up, right? The body of Christ. And so he's continuing to build, which means he will continue to need cornerstones. So if you're feeling rejected today, come to God about it. He may, he may be using you as a cornerstone for something else to build in his life, in his church, all right? So don't feel, don't feel rejected by man when God's not trying to reject you. God's the one who will bring restoration and healing and keep building up in your life. Amen. We're also seeing here a theme of the Israelites. Um, what we've been reading about and through soaping, right? The Israelites are coming back to God from the ways of rejection and disobedience, admitting their need for him, for God to rescue them. And we see that same theme played out here and their attitude and their actions towards Jephthah, right? So they rejected Jephthah. They cast him out. They were disobedient. They were um, just hurtful, right? They did their own thing. They're like, hey, we don't need you. Goodbye. Until they realized they actually do need him. Like, hey, this guy that we rejected, this guy that we, you know, cast out, we didn't appreciate, you know, we actually really do need him. And that's us today, right? We're coming and maybe we're coming to God and we're like, hey, God, I'm sorry. This morning, this week, God, like last week was a hard week. Last week, I rejected you. Last week, I I didn't need you. Last week, um, things are going great. And no one was attacking me, but this this Monday morning, um, this week, God, I'm facing some pretty heavy battles. I have emanates my own life that I need to attack coming up. And so what step I do? He had every right to say no. He had every right to say, you rejected me. Ha ha, no, I get to reject you. He had every right to take a stand and say, I'm done with you. I'm not, I'm not putting up with this. Goodbye. He was, he was already away, right? He didn't have to go back. And yet he had the love and the grace and the mercy 
of, of God, right? He reflected to his elders, to his family, to return, right? And it's a beautiful way of showing how today, if you're feeling like maybe you're the elders coming back to God saying, hey, God, I'm sorry, I need your help now. Just like Jephthah, even more so, God will not reject you. God will welcome you back. He'll say, okay, let's do this together, right? He will fight the battles with you, but you need to come to him, right? The, the elders, they had to have faith and courage and humility to come back to Jephthah and say, hey, I'm going through something. We need you. Please help us. And it's exactly what God will do to us, right? He will come alongside us. He'll, he won't reject us. He won't forsake us. He'll come alongside you to fight that battle with you this week. Come along to, to walk in those next steps with you, right? But it takes us going first. It takes us to go into that other territory, the uncomfortable place, right? To have the awkward conversation with God or even with somebody else in your life. Humility and acceptance is what we need to walk in, right? And we see that, you know, like we said, in, even in Christ Jesus, in order to be saved because of God's grace, we need to have humility and come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you, right? Because God, God want, he wants to rescue us. God wants to see victory in our lives. It's up to us to be able to walk in it, though. Amen. So skipping down to verse 12, uh, verse 12 to 27 is Jephthah writing and communicating to the Amorite king, right? The king is a, hey, I want my land back, I want this, this area back. Um, we want peaceably, but we will fight you if we need to. And so verse 15 really shows us as we go into, um, Jephthah really goes into the whole uh, story, right? He rehashes the entire history. We've been going through the last few chapters and books, right? Even, um, and, he, and Jephthah really exemplifies the power of knowing and owning your story. Because guess what? What he's talking about, that's generations and generations deep, right? But he is so well-versed in, in the history of his family. He's so well communicated and so well connected within his family um, as the chosen people of Israel, right? He knows the story. He, he walks in it. He owns it. He's confident in it, right? And it's not only about telling stories to your physical people in your life or the physical king in this, this case, right? But also your spiritual enemy, amen? When the spiritual enemy tries to question you and says, hey, I want that land back. Hey, God healed you of that. I want that, sp I want that spot back in your heart. Hey, he healed that in your mind. I want that land back in your mind, right? The spiritual enemy will try and question you, try and come against you. He'll try and make you say, hey, that, that place isn't really what God did. That isn't really what God's land in your heart is. That's not really what God um, did in your life, right? Make, try and cast that doubt in you. So you need to own your story. You need to own your healing. You need to own your inheritance and God's promises over your life. Amen. Because you know what God did in your life. If he spoke something, he did something, he healed something. He moved in a way, own that, remember that. If Jephthah can look back over hundreds of years of, of Israel history and own it and walk in it and be confident in it, you can walk in yours too. He had, like a, he had hundreds of years behind him. I promise you, unless, unless you're 100 years old on this Zoom call or on this podcast, you have less of a history to have to remember, right? That's why even journaling is so important. Journaling, you know, if it's taking pictures, if like a, a picture journal, if it's writing something down, if it's, you know, marking your Bible up with, with highlighters and notes, whatever it looks like, own your story, know what God's done in your life. So when the enemy tries to say something, when that physical or spiritual enemy tries to, you know, cast lies or try and retake that land, here's my journal. We rehash this all for you in case you forgot. In case you forgot what God did in my life, I haven't. Amen. 
Uh, I love verse 23 and 24. I want us to make that our mantra this week. So when the enemy tries to attack you, go back to verse 23 and 24, all right? Speak this over your body, your mind, your spirit, your finances, that work project, that relationship. Speak Jephthah's words. What right have you what right have you to take it over? Whatever the Lord has given us, we will possess. Whatever God's given you to possess, own it. Possess it. Give the enemy back his place and say, what right have you to take it over? Guess what? The answer is none. Amen. When you're a child of God, that spirit is in you. Walk in it. God's given it to you. Keep going. Um, but note, what did it say? Whatever the Lord has given us, we will possess. Whatever the Lord has given us. Not what we think we were given us. Not what we think should be given to us. We need to think and declare what God has given us, right? His best is always going to be our best, right? Our best, what we think is right, will never be better than God's best in our lives. So whatever the Lord has given us, not what I have given myself, amen. I will not possess anything I give myself if it's not God's best for my life. He will make sure that that his best comes to fruition, right? He will do whatever he has to do to make sure your best is really his best. So trust the Lord to fight, protect, and lead you through that dispute, that enemy that you're facing, right? That's our theme. Again, another great theme we've been reading over the last few weeks of soaping, right? Pastor Brian speaks about so much. We fight not for victory, but from victory. Amen. So we go through all of that. He rehashes the entire history of what God's been doing in the Israelites in verse 28. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. Okay, not going to lie. I read that. I was so annoyed for Jephthah. Okay, he spent 13 verses, literally a third of this chapter, retelling Israel's history and all God's done for the king. And then, so the king paid no attention, right? Literally, it says, my, my version, paid no attention to the message he sent him. Well, then we just wait all that for, for what, right? For us to remember. We read 13 verses that we remember. Okay, a quick recap, right? In the middle of all this going on, what's God been doing? So we all need that, right? We all need that recap on our own lives of what's God been doing in my life after all that we're, we're dealing with. But we're about to see, right? So he gets all the story and the king of Ammon paid no attention. So we're about to see what happens when we don't pay attention to a message from God, right? King of Ammon didn't pay attention. And how many of us sometimes don't pay attention to a message from God either? My hand's up. All right, I'll be honest. So we're about to see what's going to happen, right? Well, we don't pay attention to messages from God. Verse 29, the spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh, passed through, and from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's. And I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. So the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jephthah, right? Again, this guy from the wrong background, this guy who ran away, this guy who had the wrong people around him, the Spirit of the Lord still came over him and still filled him and even led him from a familiar place into enemy territory, right? It takes courage and boldness and confidence and faith, so much so that we actually find out... um, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, we'll usually call the, the hall of faith, right? Verse 32 through 34, it talks about Jephthah, right? So hundreds of years later, in the book of Hebrews eleven thirty-two, 32, it says, and what more shall I say? 
I do not have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, the prophets, who and other others listed, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So this guy, Jephthah, we see he's actually, he's a big deal, right? He's a, he's a big deal then in this battle. He's a big deal later on. So much so he's a, he's a father figure in the faith, right? And so we see him, him walking in that promise of what God's done and about to do in his life, right? And yet he makes a vow. And that's where we see his humanness come in, right? Because he seems to be good, good to be true. Mighty warrior, so merciful, so graceful, so forgiving. And then the humanist comes in, right? Where he, has, he makes a vow to the Lord. If you give me the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph will be the Lord's. So you have to ask yourself, why did he make that vow? If the spirit of the Lord is on him, if he was, you know, if he was walking what God's got him, you know, he's ready, he's going. He sees that the battle is going to be hard. And so he's having that, those last moments of self-doubt, right? Last moments of doubting God even. And so he's like, God, he's going to bargain with God. Okay. We, how we, who else has been in a place where you tried bargaining with God before? And you're like, God, if you, if you just do this for me, I'll do this. I'll do that for you. God, if you just help me with this, just fight this battle. You just give me this, this positive outcome. I'll do that. I'll, I'll come back to church. I'll give my life back to you. I'll, I'll tithe more. I'll give more. I'll serve more. Whatever it looks like, God, just help me get this one thing. And whatever you want, I'll do it. And that's, it may seem like it's really righteous. Oh God, I'm going to here to serve you. Let me do this more for you. But is it, is it really though? Are you really, are you really trying to trust God? If you're trying to rely on yourself, God, if, if I'll, I'll do this for you, just do this for me. You're bargaining, right? Trying to get favor from God, trying to buy his favor, trying to convince him of something. Jephthah already had the spirit of God. He already had God's favor. Yeah, you know, he got stuck in performance-based, works-based mindset, right? That made him attempt to bargain with God. And we see how that ends up, right? It ends up in victory. God, God still came through. He's like, okay, if you're gonna, if you're gonna step out and in doubt, if you're gonna step out, you know, and, and bargaining, if you're not gonna trust, trust me, trust what I'm doing in your life, we'll see what's gonna happen. So, you know, he goes in the battle, he devastates the 20 towns, he has some amazing victories. Then in verse 34, we see he returned home. Who should come out to meet him but his daughter dancing to the sound of timbrels? She's coming to meet her father. She's excited. She's happy. She's, she's daddy's girl, right? She's the only daughter, clearly the favorite, the daddy's girl, right? And so she's so excited. She comes to him. And when he sees her, all that victory, all that joy, all that pride he had from his, his, his uh, victory is gone, right? He tears his clothes and, and confesses to his daughter what happened. The plot twist, right? We talk about, you know, um, how people think that the Bible's boring, the Old Testament's boring. There's so much drama and plot twist in the Old Testament, in fact, the whole Bible, right? You don't need soap operas. You don't need The Bachelor, your Bachelorette. You don't need a reality TV show. Just read the Bible more, right? And like, there's so much drama and plot twists and don't let anyone ever tell you the Bible's boring or that it's, you know, it's all old junk you don't need. Like, no, there's, there's some deep stuff in here, right? And so that victory, like I said, just turns to shame now because he realizes the consequences of his actions. I mean, has, have you ever been in a situation where you thought God was going to bring you into a victory and there was a plot twist in your story, right? You thought you had the circumstance under control. You thought you had that addiction conquered. You thought you were walking in victory only for God to reveal that the lesson he had for you isn't finished yet. The lesson you thought 
or the victory you thought you had finally accomplished in your life was only half the lesson he had to teach you in that season. So I have, and it's hard, right? It catches you off guard sometimes, right? Because you're like, yes, Scott, I got this. I'm walking in it. And then plot twist, right? And, you know, we have to be careful and intentional how we make or keep a promise to anyone, but especially to God, right? And so verse 37, it goes on, you know, she, she requests months, you know, two months to run with her friends and because she'll never marry. And she goes on, she comes back and says her father did to her as he vowed and she was a virgin. So context is everything. Okay. I'm just preface this context is everything, right? I've read that the very first time through and I'm like, what did I just read? He just offered his daughter as a burnt offering. What did I just read? So again, if, you, if something doesn't make sense to you, if something doesn't, if something questions, you know, your questions about the Bible, best thing to do, talk to a staff member, talk to a Bible teacher on this, this podcast, do some digging yourself, do some research, right? Because context is everything. So in my studying, let me preface this, my, my studying for this, I found both, I found two theological arguments. One saying that, yes, he did offer his daughter as a burnt offering. And that's why the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate when some verses, some translations say to mourn or to lament the daughter of Jephthah. I also read arguments where it said that um, instead of a burnt offering, he actually, the both of them committed to have her virginity sacrificed and she became a servant of, with other women in the temple of the Lord. And, this, and that's why she would lament with her friends about not marrying and becoming a, a, an ever virgin. Because then she would continue to live, but she would serve in God's house. So me personally, what we're going to talk about in this next few minutes is I believe my personal belief, my own personal studying is that he did not burn her. He did not kill her, but she went to go on and serve the temple of the Lord. Why? Because again, context is everything. Our God, the God of Jephthah, the same God, is not like other gods at the time. The enemy gods were the ones that they warned about in Deuteronomy 18, right? It talks about how in Deuteronomy 18, um, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their daughter or son in the fire. So literally, they're saying, God's telling people, do not sacrifice your children as the, the other people do, right? So there's no reason that Jephthah, even though he, he made this vow, he, he knew the laws, he knew what to do. He would not have sacrificed his daughter in the fire like the other nations, like his enemies, right? Because anyone, it says later on in Deuteronomy 18, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. So that he was driving out the nations who were doing child sacrifices. And so all those, it's a reality check, right? So God, God forced his hand. God is, you know, giving him a lesson in humility and trust. And you think you know what you're doing. You think you can bargain with me, but you can't. And really giving us that, him that reality check, right? We all need that reality check sometimes in our lives. We think we know what God's up to. We think we know what our plan is. And God's like, no, this is actually my plan. You need to learn this lesson, my child. Um, and so that, and that's, and so we see that, right? And so that reality check is, oh, what did I just vow to God? Again, and because in those cases, it talks about in uh, Ecclesiastes 5, it gives, you know, do not be quick with your mouth. Don't be hasty to utter, don't be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. And when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fit, fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Is, not, is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. And so the more traditional train of thought, a lot more of the Jewish even train of thought is that because of that, that word, he did actually, 
kill his daughter. He did actually fulfill his vow and not, not be found sinful by not fulfilling the vow and burnt his, his daughter as a burnt offering. At the same time, that's, and that begs the question, right? That begs the question theologically, what's worse, to make a vow and not keep it or to clearly break what God's order and God's plans are for the Israelite people and not sacrificing to him like the other people sacrificed their other gods, right? Again, it's a, good, it's a great lesson in being intentional with our words, being intentional with our vows to each other and to God. You know, God keeps our, his promises to us. We need to keep our promises to him, amen. Um, again, personally, me, I also feel it's really hard to argue uh, Hebrews 11, that he was a father in the faith. He's this great warrior. He's a great person we need to look up to if he went so far against God's word to kill his own daughter. Which again, that's why I, I believe that seeing how God could work in his life and bring um, restoration and bring that level of, of lamentation and sorrow, that not worldly, not just worldly, but godly sorrow, is when we can see how God can make a way, right? He can make a way to sacrifice his daughter in a, a spiritual sense, in the, her, her virginity. Because not only is that sacrificing her, her um, livelihood, her family, but also his family, right? Because she was the, his only daughter. He had no other descendants. So because of his humility, because of his rash vow, he still lost a lot. He lost his family line, right? That was it. So when we see him in the book of Hebrews, that's the last mention we have of him because there's no other descendants. No one's the, the father or the son or the daughter of Jephthah, except for the one, his one daughter who now has no family, right? He has no more family. So that's still a heavy price to pay, especially in that time, Israelite uh, time, to have no family around you, have no more community to build, have a legacy for your name. That's a huge sacrifice. And so it's not like, oh, she lived. It's, it's all, it's, he got off scot-free. No, they both still suffered. And that's why the, the Israelite women commemorate her. That's why she's honored, right? Because she has, she still has to sacrifice for her father, right? And we see, that's why she gets honor because she's actually sacrificing for her father. She's honoring her father, even though she had nothing to do with it, right? She could have said, no, dad, that's your problem, not mine. But she was such a good daughter, such a good woman of faith that she followed what she had to do for her father, right? She mourned, she grieved as we all need to grieve you know, broken things in our lives, she still came back to God, right? She still stood by her father and his vow and was part of what, you know, God was going to do through them. And really, it goes to show us, right, that, I mean, for myself personally, I know if, if I've done things, you know, going through freedom groups, right, freedom group and soul care helps to identify lies in our lives that keep us from hurting others, right? Because he had a performance issue, Jephthah had a performance issue, he had a people-pleasing issue, right? And those issues in his life led to him not only hurting himself, but his daughter and his family. So the more we can deal with the junk in our lives, we realize what we need to go through. We need you know, have community around us and connect groups, go through freedom and soul care and, and figure out those hurts in our lives. And that only helps us to heal ourselves, helps us have good relationships with others, with God. Amen. So also, so the warning of today's story, the last thing, um, don't let others be hurt by our in unintentional words or a performance people-based pleasing striving, okay? Do not be, let others be hurt by your striving, by your, um, your rashness, your, your wanting to act out of your flesh, right? Trust God. Trust God with that relationship. Trust God with that battle. Trust God that when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And don't act out of line from his word, amen? All right, so as we close out, right? Last few uh, seconds here. Our, what's our application? What's our, our thing to walk away with today? If nothing else spoke to you today, I really hope that we can walk out together 
what we hear in verse 23 and 24 again, going back. Our mantra when we go into battle this week, we go into battle today against that, the, that boss, that coworker, that um, that child is giving us a run for our money, right? Whatever the enemy is going to try and use to attack you this week, remind him. Speak out verse 23 and 24 over your life, all right? What right have you to take it over? Whatever the Lord has given us, we will possess. One more time altogether. What right have you to take it over? What the Lord God has given us, we will possess. What the Lord God has given you, you will possess. There's no other person, no other family member, friend, coworker, um, teacher, whatever the situation is. No one, no one else has a right to speak over you. Anything other, what God's going to speak over you, okay? His voice needs to be the loudest voice in your head, loudest voice in your heart, all right? So whatever he's speaking over you, walk in that today. Whatever the Lord's going to give you today to possess, walk in that today, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for these sisters and brothers on this call, on this podcast, God. You're doing such a work in their lives. They're seeking you. They're seeking your word, God. So pray, Lord, that you would just give us perspective this morning. Give us perspective for today, for this week, for the situations we're facing, God. Help us not to make those rash vows. Help us not to speak, Lord, or act or um, or do anything, God's out of line with your word, with your truth, Lord. Help us to walk in a space that protects us, protects our hearts, protects the people around us, Lord. Help us walk, not like we said, not for not from not for victory, God, but walk from victory, the victory you have for us. Let's walk in what you've given us. Let's walk to possess God with your promises and the plans you have for us and that purpose in our lives, God. Help us to be a part of what you're doing to build your kingdom up, Lord, not tear it down. Help us be a people that builds up families, builds up workplaces, builds up schools, builds up communities, God, for the purposes and the plans you have for this region and beyond. It's in your name, Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. 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 All right, family. Love you guys. So great starting my, my day and my week off with you all. Can't wait to hear you all and talk to you soon. God bless. Amen. Good to see you guys.